0: This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor of Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. Uh, my prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at I was talking to a, uh, someone who worked at a grocery store from... Uh, we were talking about after the second service, and, and they said, you know, a lot of times at a grocery store you say, after, after they give you your bags and you pay, you know, happy holidays. And uh, the tip, you know, a lot of times the response is what? Merry Christmas, right? You know, I, I hear this all the time, and, and you see it on social media and you stuff, you know, all those different things, and, and it's so funny because this person said, you know, Matt, what you said, I've experienced. And what happens is, you know, like Happy Holidays, and you get these Christians, and they're like, "No, it's Merry Christmas." And you're like, "Whoa!" I apologize. And it's like, also, Merry Christmas is just like really grumpy Christians. And and Merry Christmas, you know. And so I was thinking about what what would you do if you had 28 days to live? If you knew that in 28 days, which is the end of this year, uh, you would step into eternity. What would you do with the next 28 days? If you could think like, um, you know, a lot of people in the world say, okay, I'm gonna make a bucket list. Uh, I'm gonna make a huge impact. So I'm gonna sell a car or a house and I'm gonna give all that money to some specific organization and there would be something in my honor, you know, something like that. Or maybe I'm gonna seek forgiveness from a brother or a sister or a family member that I've uh, been estranged from. Because I only have 28 days, I wanna make uh, a relationship restored. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of things you could do. I want to visit a city, or uh, I want to do something crazy. I want to go skydiving. You know, all of these things you could say, I want to do for the next 28 days. But let me ask you this. Have you ever thought about what you are going to do in eternity? What are you going to do for eternity? It's like, well, I know who I am. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus, and I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. I know this truth. Okay, and then I ask... I would ask you, well, what are you going to do in heaven? What are you actually going to do? Have you thought through that? Have you studied it? Have you read up on these things? Because I would ask you this, if you have 28 days to live and you say, I would like to do all these things, are all of those things worldly things or all of those things heavenly things? It, when we think about, like, what I have time to do, what I have left to do, I, I only have these moments. Would I want to do things on earth like I will in heaven, or would I want to do things on earth like other people on earth do? And then if you can decipher between the two, if you can say, okay, this is what is of heaven, this is what is of the world, these are the things I want to do, let me ask you this, what have you done for the past 28 days of your life? I mean, tons of people will say, you know, if you only had one day to live, what would you do? Another way to say it would be this, if, if uh, Paul, if I offered you $15 million, would you take it? <laughs> no. All right, so anybody else? Anybody else? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. If you, say, if you were to say yes to this, then my follow-up question would be this. If, I, if you could only live for one day, but I gave you $15 million, but you were guaranteed to die tomorrow, would you still take the $15 million? Most people would not, right? And so then the question is, is your day worth more than $15 million? And now, I and mean, that's a worldly question, y'all. But in a heavenly response, we have to look at our lives and go, am I going to live on earth like I will for eternity? And is it worth it? Is the death of a savior, the death of the God of the universe, worth your very day, like every single day? He gave up his life so that you might live today. He gave up his life. He died so that you might live. And so today I'm starting to look at my life going, okay, what what have I done with yesterday? What will I do with today? How will I live my life today that is different? Because I know Merry Christmas is not just an expression, it's a life. That he gave me life. That baby in a manger was new life representative of my new life. So Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, it's more than an expression. It's more than an expression. And so, you know, you think about that, that, that cashier that says to you, Happy Holidays, and you got the Christian, the, the grumpy Christian, that's like, It's Merry Christmas. And I'm like, Man, here's the problem. There's a disconnect between what you're saying and what you're doing. What you're saying is, Merry Christmas. And what is, what is Christmas? Is Christmas not love and joy and peace and hope, promise of new life and death, promise of freedom and forgiveness instead of guilt and judgment and shame? And if it is those things, when we say Merry Christmas, if we're speaking Merry Christmas with death, then aren't we just lying to the people? Aren't we really not saying Merry Christmas, but aren't we really saying you're dumb, you're wrong? Man, what if your Merry Christmas embodied Christmas? What if we didn't have to just say it? What if we lived it? What if it was like John chapter 5, verse 24? Look at it with me. John chapter 5, verse 24. And as you turn, I want you to be able to walk away knowing this that we should live during Christmas like heaven came down, like heaven actually came down, like Jesus actually came to the earth. We should live this Christmas season different because Jesus came to earth. John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, I tell you, this is Jesus, uh, he uses this over 70 times, In the New Testament. And in those over 70 times, it's sometimes just with one amen, sometimes with two. The word is a Hebrew word translated into Greek, transliterated into Greek, and then ultimately used in English. We still retain a similar pronouncing of amen. We say amen at the end of what? Prayer, right? Jesus is similar. He says amen when he's concluding a point. Uh, th- in this case, in John chapter 5, he says it three times. If you look in your passage, you'll see it three times. He says, truly I tell you, truly I tell you, truly I tell you. But in that, he actually is saying amen twice, amen, amen. But in many contexts, he only says it once. Now, the point is not how many times he says these words. The point is this. What he is, he's making an exclamatory statement. He's making a definitive statement. It's like summarizing everything together to say, y'all, this is the truth. Truly, I tell you you got to believe this. Believe what I'm about to say. This is a main point that he's focusing in on. So he says, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me. Anyone who hears my word. Now there's power in Jesus' words. There's power in the word of God. You think about, look around you. Every single thing you see around you was created by Jesus' words. The breath you have in your lungs and the blood that goes through your veins was created by Jesus' word. He breathed life into existence, and if he can breathe life into existence, then he can also bring new, breathe new life into existence. Take you from death into life and speak freedom in the midst of a place that speaks judgment and condemnation. So Jesus has power in his words. For instance, we see power in his words in John chapter 6, verse 63, where it says, the spirit is the one who gives life. Now, the spirit is the one who gives life. Now, watch this. The flesh doesn't help at all. Now, what do we do at Christmas? We want the flesh to bring the life, right? We're going to give you gifts. We're going to give you food. We're going to give you people and events and places and parties to go to all day long. We got a bunch of flesh to give you life. But the scripture says the spirit is the one who gives life. Now, now watch what it says at the end of this. It says, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. Now Jesus' words are the spirit that is transforming you. The word of God and the spirit of God are never going to contradict each other. In fact, they work together to transform you in your life. And so now Jesus is transforming you by his words. It's further uh, uh, elaborated in John chapter 15, 15, verse 3, where it says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You are already clean because of what? The word I have spoken to you. God is cleansing you by his word. God is cleansing you by his words. So he's giving you new life by his word and he's cleansing you by his word. Now you look back at this passage, John chapter 5, verse 24. Now check this out. John chapter 5, verse 24 is what we would call theologically inaugurated eschatology. All right, it's a big word. Everybody say it. Inaugurated eschatology. It's a big word. Hey, good job. That was good. Now inaugurated eschatology is just, it means something like this. Already, not yet. Or already, not yet fully. So here's what it means. You are already saved, and you're not yet fully saved. You are already alive, but you're not yet fully alive, and you're like, well, I'm fully alive. Well, I'm talking about eternal life, so you already have eternal life, but there is some aspect into which we're waiting. Look at the end of this passage, chapter five. At the end of it, it says that we're waiting the, uh, the resurrection. The dead are waiting for Jesus to speak them back into life, right? So there's this waiting, but yet we have it, and it's called the inaugurated or already not yet. Now, here's what's cool for you. The physical life that is to come, when you say, Matt, when I pass away, I know I'm going to spend eternity in, in heaven with God, has been promised to you now in the spiritual life is that our spiritual life was dead and now it's been raised to life and you now are alive spiritually. And that is a down payment. It's like a a promise. It's a preparation for what is to come, that we're going to have eternal physical life. So now you have eternal physical life and eternal spiritual life that comes together for eternity in heaven. So today you operate with the understanding in your mind that you were dead and now you were alive spiritually. That what God has promised has become true for you in your life, that Merry Christmas is more impactful than a than simple phrase or expression, but it's a reality for you. You're alive. And, and I think anybody that knows this, the person that might know this the best, is the disabled man who was ca- uh, continuing to kind of shuffle into a pool to try to, um, to try to cleanse himself, to try to heal himself. He continued to get in the pool of Bethesda, trying to heal himself. And then Jesus comes up to him, he's like, you, Do you want to be healed? And here's what Jesus eventually speaks over him. He says to this disabled man who has sought so long for healing, Jesus speaks over him. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus' words are powerful. So we think, you know, that to that person who's spoken to you, happy holidays. Or to that person who said, man, you know, the christmas is not about jesus it's about gifts and all these different things to that secular company that you're frustrated at because they're all about holidays and not about jesus let me let me tell you something there's not a much, there's not a ton of power in the words merry christmas but there's a ton of power in the word of jesus they need to hear jesus words They need to hear the Word of God spoken over their life. They need to see the Word of God embodied in your life. They need to see that Merry Christmas is not just a phrase. It's a way of life. And what way of life is it? Death to life. Judgment to freedom. That's what you promised here. Look at this. Anyone who hears and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. You hear the Word of God and you believe these words about who God is has eternal life. That means that you sitting right here, right now, are experiencing on earth what you will forever experience in heaven. That Christmas is literally heaven on earth. That expression means that you believe that Jesus Christ is the presence of God in our presence, came here into this world and brought the presence of God back to this place that we're experiencing heaven on earth. And when I think about, and you've heard me say this before, but the, one of the best pictures the world can see of uh, Merry Christmas is the kingdom of God still reigning today in you. That the presence of God is in you. And if so, then the kingdom of God is still here through you. So when you come to people, you're showing the kingdom of God to them as you say, Merry Christmas. Embodying the power and the joy and the peace of a good God who loves them. You know, uh, the, 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 the goodness of the gospel in Christmas is that it brings both death into life, but also uh, from judgment into forgiveness. It says at the end of this passage that He's moved us on from that condemnation and on from that judgment and on from that physical death so that we have spiritual and physical life now today. But, you know, I think one of the hardest things for us to understand is the grace of God in his son Jesus Christ at Christmas. I want you I want you to consider this for a moment. Have y'all have y'all ever watched a uh, one of those courtroom scenes or just like a, 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 tr- a true, you know, they let the public see a court? Scenario where somebody has done something heinous and it looks like they're going to be set free. And everybody, the world, and probably even the judge, and probably even those who get the opportunity to say guilty or free uh, for, you know, not guilty, everybody knows they're guilty. But for some reason, there's a deadlock or some reason, some evidence or something happens where that person is set free. And that person walks, walks out scotch clean. I mean, I'm thinking in my head, I know you probably are right now, you're probably thinking in your head of a scenario you know in the past of somebody who is just guilty as it gets you. Everybody knew it. They know their actions. They've seen it consistently over time. And this person walks out free and not guilty. You know what I'm talking about? Do y'all remember the emotions? It's frustrating. It's, it hurts, right? Right? You're like, man, that person should get the penalty. That person should be put in jail. Whatever it is, that person is guilty. It's not till we understand that we are that person that we truly understand the grace of God. Like, all the emotions you felt about that person being freed, that's what you received. You received freedom and forgiveness, although you were guilty. And it's not because of anything you did. It's like you're in that court scene and everybody knows you're guilty. Like they're watching you and everybody in the crowd and the judge and the cops are over there. Everybody's like, yeah, we know he did it. We saw him do it. Everybody knows he did it. We have on video. All the evidence is against them. You know you're guilty. And yet someone stands up and they're like, hey, I'm going to take his place. I, I got him. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take his place. Um, I'm going to step in for him. You can do whatever you want to me. And all of a sudden you're free and forgiven when you were guilty and convicted. That's us, y'all. And so at Christmas time, when we walk around, we should understand and when we, when we in, interact with our friends and with our family and all these different people, we should understand that we are the ones who have been set free. Although guilty and condemned as we are and, and just as heinous and wrong and sinful as anybody else, God has seen us and set us free. What does Christmas look like for you? Do you, do you understand? Like, do you live in a way that's like, man, I have been given such grace. I'm going to extend it to those around me. I mean, it's tough. I get it. Family and friends. I, I, holidays are like, the opportunity to go to family during the holidays is just like almost the opportunity to break up families. It's like, let's fight. What politics are we going to talk about? You know, are you with me? Sports. Don't say anything about Georgia. I've heard it already. I know they lost, okay? (laughs) I get it. We don't need to fight, okay? (laughs) but seriously, are, are you all with me? Like fa- family, friends, yeah, co-workers, when you get together in these like, you know, we're going to have, we all, we all do this, we're going to have a Christmas party for the, for the office and everybody gets together for the office. What does that look like for you? Are you bringing peace and grace and mercy and hope and love and joy and life into those environments? Are you coming in ready to shred some people up? You know what I'm talking about? If you only had 28 days to live, and in those 28 days, you would go seek somebody out to um, confess your sin to them, that you've hurt them, and that you want to restore a relationship with them, then sh- so with, the, with our life, shouldn't it not look like us going to do that more? Like Christmas should be the opposite of that. It should be us going to people and saying, hey, I, w- I just want you to know I love you and I support you. I'm here for you. Is there anything I can do for you? With your family, are they going to drive you crazy? Probably. Are they going to frustrate you? Probably. Are you going to have division? Yes. With your friends? Is everybody a little bit tight during Christmas time? Yeah. But what's different about the church is that we're the ones who bring in peace. We're the ones that bring in a bit of joy. In a world that's full of despair and and depression is at its highest during the Christmas season, we're gonna be the ones that go, the Christmas season is about more than the gifts, more than all of the events, more than all of the parties, more than all of the meals, more than all of the cooking that is necessary for meals, more than all of the shopping and the credit card debt, more than all of the travel. Christmas is more than that for us. It's life. And so we're going to those environments going, hey, I know you're busy. I know you're stressed. I know you're overworked. I know you have way too much on your plate. But I just want you to know Jesus loves you. I just want you to know that he has more for you than the pain of this world. And I just want to model that for you. You know, when, when, when I think about Christmas, I think about this, you know, it's one thing for us to say, Merry Christmas to somebody. It's another thing for us to say, I'm not going to be a part of the, the world's rules for Christmas. I'm not going to be overworked. I'm going to take a step back, actually. If Christmas is about being with Jesus, then why do we spend all of our time not being with Jesus? If it's about the presence of God coming to be with us, then why would we not want to be with the presence of God? The world is so good at this, and don't be deceived. Christians are good at this, too. Christians are good at ruining Christmas. We're just good at making everything about things other than Jesus. Let me give you, like, a really clear example of this. On Christmas Eve, this is revolutionary, and it's going to make some people mad, and that's totally okay. On Christmas Eve, we're pulling back a little bit as a staff. It's the biggest Sunday of the year. This is the time where I should bring in the infiltry. This is the p- time where we should have the biggest stuff on stage for all the consumerist people who want to come in here, and it'd be just amazing. But we're actually going to pull back a little bit. In fact, at the 6 o'clock service, come to it. It's going to be awesome because we're going to worship Jesus. But at the 6 o'clock service, you know who's going to be here leading it? The staff. Because all of our volunteers are going to have the night off to be with their families, and to worship King Jesus without any responsibilities. Because we want to model Christmas to you. Because I want you to experience the peace of God, the Shabbat, the rest of God. I want you to truly be able to say, I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to slow down and see what God's going to do in my life this Christmas. Now, what does that look like for you in your life? You know, I think one of the greatest offenses to the gospel would be this. You walk out of that courtroom and Jesus is like, you're free, I'll take your guilt upon me. Go live a free life. Go live a forgiven life. And then all of a sudden in that freedom and forgiveness, we fill it up with death. You know, one of the greatest offenses to the gospel would be, able to, would be to say Merry Christmas in a grumbling way. One of the greatest offenses to the gospel would be to live the Christmas season with death. Whatever your death experience is, man. Like you wake up in the mornings and you're like, man, I'm just so stressed. And, and if I asked you, why are you stressed? And you list out all those things. At Christmas time, that should be the time where you list out all those things and go, I'm going to shift those away. Amen. And I'm going to bring in life. Well, Matt, I just, I have so many text messages I got to catch up on. I have so many emails I got to email out on. I got to buy these things. I got to order these presents. I got to do all these different things. And I'm like, hey, but what would it look like for you to worship Jesus during this season? What would it look like for you to spend a little bit of extra time with family this season? Or how about this? What would it look like for you living this Christmas because of Jesus in these ways, these commitments? I will live in the peace of Jesus this Christmas. The peace. This, here's what this looks like. People come to me all the time and they're like, hey Matt, there's a social media post and people are commenting on it. And what do I do? And I'm like, well, first of all, get off social media. Second of all, delete your social media. And third of all, don't comment on that social media. And, and people are always taken aback. Like, why? Why We could use this for the kingdom of God. We can use all the... You know what the kingdom of God wants you to do, right? Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to go have dinner with the sick sinners. And he wants to sit down with them he wants you to listen to them. He wants you to understand their stories. He wants you to go to that guy who's been jumping in the pool, trying to find healing. And he wants you to sit down with him. We could bring in wrath. We could bring in chaos. We could bring in confusion. We could fight back. We could use our words to slander people. We could use our words to try to one-up people. Or it could be like the humble servant, King Jesus, who comes to the sick sinners, and he loves them, extends them grace. And then he goes to the religious elite, those Christians that ruin Christmas. He goes to those religious elite, and he calls them out, and he condemns them. So this Christmas, who will you be? Who will you be? Will you embody the gospel, the meekness and gentleness and kindness of a Savior, the peace and the joy and love of a Savior? Or will you be that grumpy Christian who tries to ruin Christmas just like the rest of the world? And look, y'all, it's not going to happen without being intentional. So I'm going to live with peace. Will you make the commitment to live with contentment? Man, contentment at Christmas might be the most difficult time to have contentment. You know, you know what I'm talking about? It's like... I got to do all these different things, but Jesus is enough. I've got to spend all this different money, this money, but Jesus is enough. I've got to, you know, look at all this. Somebody comes up to you and they're like, man, look at all this food I've got on my plate. And you're like, no, actually, that just looks like a, that looks like gluttony is what that looks like to me. I'm content with what I have, but look at all these gifts I'm giving my, my, my kids. Well, I can't give my kids that, but I'm content with what I can give my kids because Jesus is enough. And you're teaching your kids so much more. I, because Jesus is enough. I don't have to have all these things, so I will live in the contentment of Jesus. I will live in the joy of Jesus. When the world is in depression and despair, uh, anxious as it may be, and falling into all of the you know, devices of this world, like alcohol, drugs, uh, drunkenness and drugs, peak during this season. People running to those things rather than running to Jesus. And in that, you see all of this this death, man. And you you look at it and you, okay, how are we going to be different? We're going to show the joy of the Lord, which means I need to be present with the Lord. When Jesus woke up early in the morning, it was because he had a battle in the afternoon. You know what I'm saying? When Jesus was praying in the garden, it's because he knew he was about to battle Satan on the cross. We, prep, we prepare our lives for the despair and the destruction of this world by being with the Lord. So if you know that Christmas is going to be divisive, if you know it's going to be chaos and confusion, if you know it's going to be hard with your family, aren't you praying in the morning, Lord, give me the peace. Give me the grace that I need. I'm going to live with the joy of Jesus. I'm going to live with the gentleness of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 10, Jesus speaks of his beatitudes. The way of life, the way of Jesus is going to be with meekness and gentleness. A gentle Savior in, at Christmas, what would it look like for you to be gentle at Christmas? Gentle to your kids. Hey, if there's a time where kids get a little crazy, it's Christmas. They're getting gifts. They're letting out of school early. They're watching movies at school. They're getting candy every day. I mean, they are crazy at this time. Not my kids. Everybody, I'm kidding. These might, yeah, my kids. Um, But everything's hectic. Everybody's a little stressed. Gentle. What would it look like for you to live with the humility of Jesus at Christmas time? You know, I, th- I think that this world, when I think about the world, like propping themselves up, it's like the world wants to prop themselves up, and yet Jesus let others prop him up. He didn't prop himself up. You, uh, Jesus didn't write any of the books of the Bible. He was the spiritual author. He spoke those words into existence, but he let human authors do it. One of the, you know, in Scripture, Jesus when he alludes to himself. We, everybody wants him to say, well, I am God. I am Lord. He, it, people want him to say, I am all of these different things. But do you know who he lets speak the truth? His fallen, broken, jealous, not humble follower Peter. He says, hey, what, what do you, who do you think I am? And Peter gets to say who he is. We, you know, does your family want to keep up with the Joneses or live in the way of Jesus? Do you want to, at Christmas, live in the way of Jesus, or do you want to prop yourself up and do all the things of this world? Merry Christmas is more than an expression. It's a way of life. So here's some practical ways. Constantly saying in your life, Lord, I have enough in you and from you. Let this be the prayer of your heart every single morning when you wake up. I have enough in you and from you. I'm good. I don't need anything more. I don't need more food. I don't need more gifts. I don't need more money. I don't need more space. I don't need more time. I don't need anything more. Look, you don't need more time. You need to manage your time better. You have the same amount of time as I did. We got 24 hours and I got a baby that wakes up three times in the middle of the night. I am tired. But I don't need more time. I have the time that Jesus has given me. Amen? We just like to fill our time up with parties. We just like to fill our time up with things of this world we don't need more time we need more jesus and so does this world so lord i have enough in you and i have enough from you i'm going to give you thanks and praise you for the gifts that i have for the food that i have been given did you i think this is fascinating we are as a creation i think the only animals somebody's gonna get on me for saying we're an animal i don't know what we are okay we are the only creation that assembles food. Now, I think that Puma does it in Lion King, when he has the, um, all the different insects. He <laughs> it's hilarious. But in real life, you've never, I've never seen a monkey take some peanuts and some bananas and go, this is peanut butter banana, this is delicious. Right? Ooh, that's delicious. (laughs) I've never seen one take like some cacao nibs. I don't know how to pronounce that, okay? And uh, bananas or peanut butter and be like, this is chocolate peanut butter banana. This is delicious. Humans have been given this opportunity with our minds. It's unbelievable what God did with us. Where we sit down at a feast where there's like brown sugar and salt and sweet potato all mixed together. And it's delicious. You know? No other animals are doing that. They're like, hey, Jimmy, give me some more of that brown sugar for my grub. It's not happening. And you may, may, you may be like, "Matt, this is ridiculous. You're, I know. I understand. <laughs> but don't forget the simple things. Because when you only need complex things that are from this world, you'll forget the simple things Jesus gave you. We want to find what this world has in all of its complexity and smart and money and fame and all those different things that are just like, "Whoa, can you believe this?" But sometimes a dumb phone's better than a smartphone. You with me? I bet a pager would give you more life than your iPhone would. Yet the world created the iPhone and thinks you need it, the newest and latest and greatest for Christmas. You probably need a pager for Christmas. I'm just shooting you real. like real talk you want to experience Jesus, you probably need less, not more. Contentment, not more. And so now we come back to this and it's like, okay, God, I want to set some time aside to be with my loved ones. Because if I had 28 days to live, you better believe I'm going to go spend some of that time with my grandparents, my parents, and my my close siblings. Right? I'm going to Georgia and I'm going to Arkansas and then I'm going to preach the gospel like crazy to you okay? Because I want to spend some time with those people who invested in me me for my entire life. I'm going to set aside quiet moments with loved ones this Christmas season because I know I would do it if I was about to die. I want to live like eternity because I know in eternity I'm going to spend time with my brothers and sisters in good authentic relationship. What if you led your family to serve the under-resourced in some capacity? To show them what it looks like to live with the heart of Jesus. And the heart of Jesus is to care for those who are under resourced and uh, under supported and under protected. What would it look like for us to confess a sin to someone you've hurt? You mean If you say, man, I, I got somebody that I would really like to restore a relationship with, Christmas is like one of the best times to do that because you're embodying what you're saying. Merry Christmas, I'm living that out. I think one of the most countercultural ways you could live during Christmas time would be to take a fast. I'm not calling you to a corporate fast. We did that in October. But if you want to be radically different than the world, countercultural, skip out on some of the parties. Skip out on some of the extra drinks. Skip out on some of the extra food. Skip out on some of the extra gifts. Because I'm content. I have what I need. And I need nothing more. Jesus, you're enough. So maybe you consider the seven fast, or maybe you consider something similar to it. If you need help with this, I would love to help you with this. I want you to know the way of Jesus and be able to live in the way of Jesus. Here's the only thing I'd, I'd just ask deeply of you. Don't say Merry Christmas until you understand what it looks like to walk out of that courtroom, free and forgiven, experiencing the life of Jesus. Eternity on earth, the kingdom of heaven in this place, so that you can look at somebody and say, Merry Christmas. I hope you have peace. I hope you have rest. I hope you have joy. I hope you have love. And I'm going to be the first person to show you what it looks like. So maybe this Christmas season, you don't even need to say it. Maybe you make a full commitment to just live it. And the people around you are going to look at you and be like, what is up with you? Why are you being like this? And you're like, because I went from dead to alive. Because a humble king born In a manger change my life. So Merry Christmas. So here's my gospel response for you as the band comes. Would you pray for each other? Pray for yourself and pray for others that you would be radically transformed by John chapter five, verse twenty four, that you've come from death into life because of the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. That it would change the way that you live this Christmas season out. Would you ask God to reveal life in Jesus to you? You know, John Mark Comer says this. He says, If you want to live like Jesus, then you're going to have to live the lifestyle of Jesus. You don't get battling and winning against Satan without fasting in the wilderness. He was fasting. You don't get Jesus on the cross faithfully sacrificing for you, sinners as we are, without him in the garden saying, If it's your will, I'll do it. But I need to know it's your will. Right? Victory comes in prayers. The lifestyle of Jesus is going to transform you. And don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to live like Jesus. You're not going to live like Jesus until you take up the lifestyle of Jesus. Prayer. Meditation. Being around those whom love King the Father. All these things of the way of Jesus, the patterns, the fasting, and the seclusion, the solitude, all these things are the way of Jesus, and they're going to be your Christmas season. In God's grace, hopefully they will be your Christmas season. I don't know how many people have ever woke up, but this is my my gospel response for you. It's a challenge. Because of the gospel of death and the life, here's a challenge I have for you. When you set out your Christmas season, has anybody ever... Don't, don't raise your hand. I'm just letting you think about this. Have you ever looked at your calendar and been like, okay, I'm going to make sure that this season I have as much Sabbath as possible. I'm going to give less gifts and more provisions, more resources to those who are under-resourced. I'm going to serve more rather than going to more parties. I'm going to cook less for people who eat too much, and I'm going to cook more for people who eat too little. And you start looking at all those things and going, I'm going to schedule in the way of Jesus because I've been scheduling in the way of the world. What would your Christmas look like? How would you do it differently if it was modeled by the way of Jesus? And then finally, there may be somebody in here today, and if you are, I ask for you to consider the words of Jesus. Would you hear and believe Jesus' words? They will transform your life. They will transform your life. If you're depressed today, if you're in despair today, if you're stressed today, if you're overwhelmed today by Christmas, then you've missed Christmas, because Christmas, Jesus, offers you peace. If you feel like you cannot overcome sin, if you feel like you're stuck in shame, you've missed Christmas, because you are the convicted felon walking out of the courtroom, freedom and forgiven by a Savior who is willing to sacrifice his life for you. He loves you. Would you believe in him? Let me pray for you. I'll be over here if you'd like to pray or talk. I would love to talk to you. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, which is powerful to save and to lead us to salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that it would cleanse us from all sin and lead to a powerful proclamation of life over physical death just as you rose up your son, Jesus Christ. So Father, give us life today. Would you send us out of this room with a joy and a peace that the world has never seen before as they see you in us. Would they ask, what has changed? What has happened? And we'd be able to point them to you. We need you because we can't do this alone. It's not our work. It's your work in us. And so, Father, do in us what we cannot do in ourselves. We love you and we trust you and praise you in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.